BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and I'm honored to be with you tonight. We've got a great team here, and every night on Actionable Intelligence, we're going to bring you true news sourced straight from some of the strongest fighters for the truth in the country. We're going to bring you insight from people who have real experience on the front lines, and we're also going to bring hope. In my time serving our country as a Navy SEAL, as a governor, a humanitarian volunteer, as a fighter for veterans and for the common man, I found that Americans have tremendous reserves of courage, compassion, and common sense. On this show, you'll find that we respect your intelligence. We share your love for our country. My team and I are strengthened by faith. We're guided by the Constitution. And our mission every night is to fight for you. And every night, we're going to talk about some of the big stories of the day. And we're going to do it with fascinating people who can bring some real insight. Now, as many of you know, the Senate is expected to confirm Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court as soon as next week. The Senate Judiciary Committee is going to vote this Thursday. Now, that vote will send Barrett's nomination to the full Senate. On Friday and over the weekend, Republicans are going to push through a few final procedural votes, and that's going to set things up for the final vote next Monday. The votes are expected to fall along party lines. The hearings wrapped up last week with Barrett going viral for this moment in particular. You know, most of us have multiple notebooks and notes and books and things like that in front of us. Can you hold up what you've been referring to and answering our questions? Is there anything on it? Uh, that letterhead that says United States Senate. That's, imp- that's impressive. Now, there's also another big story today. The Commission on Presidential Debates is changing the rules again. The Commission said that each candidate is slated to have two uninterrupted minutes at the beginning of each 15-minute debate section. And during this time, the opposing candidate's microphone is going to be muted. But perhaps more importantly, the commission also announced the topics for the debate. They include fighting COVID-19, American families, race in America, climate change, national security, and leadership. Now, this is not normal. Traditionally, the third presidential debate is focused on foreign policy. Here to discuss both the debates and the Coney Barrett confirmation is Trump 2020 senior legal advisor, Jenna Ellis. Jenna, we are really happy uh, to have you on with us. Jenna, let's start with the Supreme Court. Uh, Now, you're now on the president's team, but you're also an author. You're author of the 2015 book, The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution. So first, kind of step back from the politics and the votes for the moment and just tell us from your perspective, with some historical insight, what does the likely confirmation of Judge Barrett mean for President Trump's legacy? 
Yeah, well, thanks so much, Eric, for having me on and for that really important question, because too often uh, we only look uh, very myopically focused at this moment in time and really uh, to step back into American history and what truly makes America so great and exceptional is that our founding fathers built this country on the idea and the philosophy that our rights come from God, our creator, not our government. And so it's the sole purpose of government to preserve and protect those rights that are God-given, and they gave government that mandate. And so in order to best protect and preserve our rights, they implemented and ultimately ratified the United States Constitution that has a separation of powers, because they understood that if you vest all government power in one person or one body, then that ultimately would be abused, like they had seen throughout world history. And so the judicial branch in context is supposed to be that check and balance and accountability factor on the two political branches, on the legislative, which is the only uh, branch of government that can actually create law. The executive is obligated with enforcing that law. And then the judicial branch is supposed to be impartial, unbiased, and they are supposed to refer to our supreme law of the land, the U.S. Constitution, recognizing that all of the branches of government are under the U.S. Constitution, which again, the only mandate is to protect and preserve our rights. So looking at this in context, Amy Barrett understands that. She understands that her role is to be a judge, not a lawmaker, not a politician, not a policymaker. And why conservatives have been so frustrated over the past 50 and 60 years, and we saw this through the conversation and the questioning from Democrats, they don't want to be held accountable. They want to abuse the judicial branch as an activist policymaking agenda branch like they've done for the past 50 and 60 years. This is going to be President Trump's legacy, restoring the judicial branch and especially the Supreme Court to the original intent of the U.S. Constitution and making sure to preserve and protect your and my freedoms into the next generation. Absolutely. And we're going to be we're going to be following this extraordinarily closely, as I know that you and, and, and your team are uh, turning more immediately to the presidential debates. And we're going to be covering those every minute of them here um, on Real America's Voice. I have to say, I was looking forward to a debate that would dive into foreign policy. I mean, the, the president has has had a number of major foreign policy achievements, moving the American embassy to Jerusalem, something that administrations had promised forever, and he finally did. We recently saw historic agreements with Bahrain in the UAE. We can look back to when he first came into office and the defeat of ISIS. A lot of folks were looking forward to a foreign policy debate. Why do you think that the Presidential Debate Commission changed these rules again, and how is the president gonna use the debate to get out the message about his foreign policy achievements under the new rules. Well, it's very clear that the debate commission is wanting to protect Joe Biden because he's their preferred candidate. You know, my colleague Michael Glasner uh, wrote a great op-ed in The Hill just this past week that's uh, talking about the, the debate commission might as well just come out and endorse Joe Biden. Uh, they are obviously giving moderators that are there just for the sole purpose of protecting Biden. And so it's not just the fact that they don't want to give President Trump the opportunity to uh, show his monumental achievements 
achievements over the past four years. It's really more sinister than that. They want to try to protect Joe Biden from having to answer the critical questions about his foreign allegiances and about how uh, his corruption and his family um, has has given him that uh, you know that misfortune of actually having to answer those types of questions. And so President Trump, I think, going into this debate is going to make sure to ask Joe Biden the questions that he has been unwilling to answer from the press, who's really even been unwilling to an to ask them, and also because you know that the moderator is not going to either. Yeah, well, we're certainly following uh, these stories related to Hunter Biden very closely at justthenews.com. I encourage all of our viewers to go out there where you can get and look at the original documents behind a lot of this, of this reporting, which is so important. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for joining us. We very much look forward uh, to having you on again. Thanks so much. And thank you for your service and your opening statement. It was really incredible. Um, I think you're right that Americans have a lot of hope and the news should be bringing that out a lot more. So thank you for doing that. You bet. Absolutely. Hey, folks, well, coming up next is the SITREP, some of the most important stories from around the world and here at home, including we're going to take a look at a new type of missile that the U.S. Special Operations Command is using to target terrorists. Stay right where you're at. We're going to be right back in just a minute. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens, and now it's your SITREP. This is a clear, concise look at the most important stories in America and around the world. Uh, first, Senator Chuck Grassley is accusing Facebook and Twitter of election interference. This follows the tech giant's decision to censor reports about Hunter Biden and the Biden family, possibly trying to profit from Joe Biden's time as vice president. The senator made the remarks on Monday. He also noted that the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, has affirmed that these are legitimate concerns and are not part of a Russian disinformation campaign. President Trump is once again making a big move for veterans, signing into law a bill that provides millions in funding for programs to prevent suicide among veterans. Included in the measure are programs to boost mental health research and staffing at the Department of Veterans Affairs. And the bill will offer up to $174 million during the next five years to state and local groups that provide suicide prevention services to veterans and their families. President Trump also signed into law the National Suicide Hotline Designation Act of 2020. That new law designates 988 as the universal phone number for mental health emergencies. And folks, as, as a veteran myself, I worked with thousands of returning veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan, I'd offer a personal note here, that if you're a, rem a veteran, uh, remember that this country honors you and we still need you. And if you're in trouble, do what we always did in the military, reach out to a buddy. We're here to help each other. 
Now, folks, as we take a look uh, around the world and we look at some world news for a second, we see that six Russian military officers are facing charges in connection with an international hacking scheme. According to the Department of Justice, the Russian military intelligence officers disrupted the 2018 Winter Olympic Games. They did so, supposedly, because of drug penalties against Russian athletes. Now, Assistant Attorney General John Demers announced that the criminal charges in what he called the most disruptive and destructive series of computer attacks ever attributed to a single group. Now, the group's alleged targets included the Ukraine power grid, the investigations into the poisoning of Russian opposition leaders, the French elections, and the Olympic Games. Now, last week, the United States carried out a drone airstrike in northwestern Syria. Two senior al-Qaeda leaders died in the airstrike, according to the U.S. Central Command, and U.S. military officials said that the drone strike was carried out by Joint Special Operations Command. In the past several months, JSOC has more frequently used a specially designed non-explosive Hellfire missile. It's extraordinarily effective against targets in light vehicles, such as cars or SUVs, and it doesn't pose a threat to civilians due to its non-explosive nature. And again, here on the show, when we have questions, we want to get answers from the experts. This story has been covered extensively in SoftRap. And we're going to be talking tonight with Brandon Webb, Navy SEAL, sniper, author, and the founder of SoftRap. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Brandon, tell us, why is it that they're using this new type of munition, and how has it been effective for special operations forces who are targeting terrorists and militants overseas? Well, I think we've gotten, if it's one thing we have gotten good at um, over 20 years of, of fighting this war on terror, it, it's you know deploying troops around the world and being very effective at taking out the enemy. In, the, in particular, this Hellfire munition, uh, it avoids civilian casualties because there's no explosive war tip. So essentially, you know, you can target the enemy very uh, specifically without civilian um, casualties. The the bigger part of the the story I wanted to talk about was, you know, why did, you know, why are we talking Syria? It's, you know, we're a couple weeks away from uh, a presidential election. Uh, largely, um, I would say most Americans don't realize we still have American troops in in Syria, Africa. Um, you know, maybe maybe Afghanistan is on people's radar, but we've been fighting this global war on terror for 20 years, with as you and I know, with very little result. Like, what what have we really accomplished? Um, and so, I just think it's an important issue for Americans as they're they're having to uh, visit the ballot box. I do agree that that Trump, you know, the non involvement in Syria, which is essentially a proxy war with with Russia. Um, but now it's time to to really dig in and, and number one, vote for a president that that's going to continue to to take care of American interests abroad. But also, we do need a a vision uh, and a coherent foreign policy strategy going forward. And largely, you know, under under the Obama administration, a very schizophrenic foreign policy strategy at best. 
And Brandon, tell us, I mean, from your perspective at SoftRep, you guys are covering special operations stories around the world all the time. Give our viewers just a sense, because you're right, there's been so much focus on domestic issues this election. Give our viewers just a sense for where special operations forces are deployed right now and where they're engaged overseas. Sure. I mean, you've got, you know, Southeast Asia, what's happening. You've got the extremists and the in the Philippines, uh, you've got North Africa still a, a hotbed of Islamic terrorism. A lot of that activity in Afghanistan moved to North Africa. You've got Americans deployed still in, in Iraq and Syria, um, largely due to the fact that we essentially destabilized the region by pulling out so quickly. Look, we you can argue whether or not we should have went into Iraq or not, but the, the fact is we did go in. Um, and by pulling out so so quickly, we created this vacuum um, that saw the the emergence of ISIS, uh, and then you look at you know tipping off the the civil war in Syria, and so um, you know and really when you look at what we did with the destabilization of Iraq is then you have this massive refugee flow into Europe, and it's largely what what's influenced you know, policies like Brexit, where the UK was like, look, we're not taking hundreds of thousands of, of radical, potentially radical uh, Islamic refugees. And so Europe was was very open border, now very yeah. closed border uh, because of that. But, you know, we've we've got troops, um, you know, all over the place. The, the issue that I have as a former operator and having lost, you know, a best friend in, in Benghazi, Libya, was we really have to think about, you know, what we're doing what in the world folks? to promote American democracy. And are we Absolutely. doing it in a way that's creating more yes. stabilization or mm. destabilization? Brandon, we're going to look forward to having you back many times on Actionable Intelligence. We appreciate uh, your service to the country. Folks, stay, stay right with us. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. You know, there's a saying we use in the military called the ground truth. Uh, to put it simply, when you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on, you got to go to the source and talk with the men and women who are fighting on the front lines. Well, what we do here on Actionable Intelligence is make sure that we do that. And in today's field report, we're talking censorship. You know, across platforms like YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, conservative viewpoints are being targeted for censorship. Our next guest, Elaine Parker, is the Chief Communications Officer for the Job Creators Network, and she has experienced this biased censorship firsthand when this video was flagged and taken down. And here with us now is Job Creators Network Chief Communication Officer, Elaine Parker, Elaine, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. We're really happy to have you on. Elaine, tell us, what is the Job Creators Network first, and what did you think when you found out that your video was being restricted? 
Well, thanks for having me, Eric. Uh, the Job Creators Network is a national small business advocacy organization, and we represent the 30 million small business owners um, in the U.S., and we advocate for um, pro-growth uh, policies. And we launched the largest um, uh, get-out-the-vote effort in conservative history called Keep America, America. And basically, that spot you just showed was uh, a compilation of, of news footage that was readily available on YouTube. And we put it together in that one spot. And we basically asked, is your city next? And then pointed people to our website, keepamericaamerica.com to really show people that um, the you know, push back on that narrative that these were peaceful protests because they weren't. And we truly believe that America is on the ballot and we're encouraging people to get out and vote and vote early. And very quickly, Google censored um, the, the content and labeled it inappropriate content and restricted its viewing. And so as a result, we're unable to promote the video and market it uh, to get more viewership on it. And that was part of the censorship. And we continue to see censorship for conservative viewpoints um, online with these tech giants. And we're, we're speaking out about it because we're very concerned. And just, and just for clarity, um, every single piece of that video was already available online. Liberal organizations could and had used it, but when you went out and you showed it and you put some conservative viewpoints out, that was when you were censored. Is that right, Elaine? Exactly. It's news footage. It's pulled from local news stations around the country and all the cities that were experiencing the violence. That footage from the news stations, it's still out there. Um, but we're being censored and unable to promote the video on YouTube um, because they uh, they put they labeled it uh, restricted. And, you know, we just think that if these uh, tech giants are going to censor conservative information, then they're controlling the, the political debate. And that's not their role. Um, yeah. and, and they're censoring free enterprise, not free enterprise, they're censoring free speech, really. And, and we can't have them do it. They either need to decide if they're a platform or a publisher, but they can't be both. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. Yeah, and, and it sounds like, Lane, you guys are also part of a big get out the vote effort. You're trying to make sure that you get your message out in these last few days coming up to the election. And we've also heard that Facebook just announced more censorship restrictions around political speech in the last week leading up to the election. Uh, what do you think of that and how is that going to affect your work and the work of others who are really trying to get the vote out? Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing to me after what we've been staring at with the last few, the last week or so with the New York Post article, um, Facebook um, is going to double down on censorship and actually uh, refuse any new political ads um, one week leading up to the election, and then they're not going to take any issue ads one week following the election. And as as everybody knows, there is uh, some belief that we may not know who the president is. Um, on November 3rd, and it may drag out into several days, if not weeks, and they're going to censor content again. And, you know, it, it's interesting to me because with TV and radio and newspaper sales, you pick up the phone and you get an ad rep on the phone, and they're motivated by one thing, selling ads, because mm. that's how they get paid. But when you're trying to put ads on uh, these tech giant platforms, 
Facebook or Google, you can't get a human on the phone. They have no motivation and therefore they don't have to be even handed in what they're doing. And so slow walking and slow approvals on these ads is just another form of censorship. And that's what we've been experiencing on our side is, is slow walking and slow approval of these ads. And like I said, they need to decide if they're going to be a publisher or a platform, but they can't have the same protections um, if they decide to have to be a publisher, they're going to be held liable for the content on their on their on their platforms. And that, and that might be part of the solution. Let, let's talk about solutions for a minute, both solutions at a policy level. How do we deal with this so that we're making sure that we're protecting freedom of speech for all Americans? And then also solution at the level of the individual citizen. Let's talk to all of our viewers about what they can do in this environment where big tech is censoring conservative viewpoints. So again, at a policy level and an individual level, talk with us through some potential solutions here. Well, look, I know Senator Graham and Senator Cruz um, are wanting to bring in uh, the CEO of, of Google and, and Facebook um, to talk about um, the protections that they're currently being afforded and what we're seeing in the censorship. And that's something that um, we should certainly look at. I mean, you can't. I, I would. I would be concerned about taking away their protections um, if they're going to remain a platform, because I would. I would be concerned about uh, more censorship because they would be so concerned about being held liable for anything on their mm -hmm. platforms. So again, I think that it really has to be a decision made on what they're going to be. And whatever happens there, I think, will be a domino effect to how the American people react. Because right now, we have half the country that is dealing with censorship, and they're not happy about it. And that's why we encourage everybody to get out and vote and have their voice heard, because we need to fight for the conservative values. America really is on the ballot this election. Absolutely. And so, Elaine, in just the 15 seconds we have less, your message to citizens who are watching this right now who want to go out and get the truth. My message is, you know, our security is on the ballot, our personal security, our economic security, and our health security are all on the ballot. And you can have your voice heard at the ballot box by getting out and voting early. You can go to keepamericaamerica.com and you can find out all the voting information you need there about your area. Well, Elaine, thank you again uh, for sharing your story with us today. We very much appreciate it. Uh, Folks, Actionable Intelligence is your show, and we talk to real Americans every day. To share your story or to share a friend's story with our team, reach out to us at action at justthenews.com. Now stay with us. Up next, we're talking with Navy SEAL Dick Couch. He's got an incredible story of courage. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. You know, every day our team works hard to bring you guests that will inform, inspire, and enlighten. And folks, if you want to be moved, uh, you're also going to be excited to hear uh, from our next guest. Today, we're joined by former Navy SEAL and military author Dick Couch. Dick has had an absolutely incredible career of service. He was a Navy SEAL. He graduated with Bud's Class 45 in 1969. He went on to serve in Vietnam. He's also the most prolific author of books about special operations training in the country. And I can personally remember in 2002 when I was in SEAL qualification training, there was Dick Couch running with me for a 13-mile obstacle course run uh, with full gear. He's an incredible guy, always has a kind word, a man of courage, and now he spends his time helping other veterans tell their stories. Uh, Couch's latest book, 
by Honor Bound was written with two other Navy SEALs, Tom Norris and Mike Thornton. Now folks, Norris and Thornton are both Medal of Honor recipients. They are legends in the special operations community. And now Dick has brought their story to light. Uh, hey Dick, it's great to see you. Tell our audience briefly, I mean, they, they, need to, they need to get the book to read the whole story, but tell us briefly this amazing story of these two Medal of Honor recipients and how they were bound together. Well, thank you, Eric. I always enjoy talking about them, but let me set the record straight. When we ran that 13 miles, you had a combat load and I had a camera and a couple canteens with me. So uh, it's not like I, you were very much handicapped in that in that race there. At any rate, Tom Norris and Mike Thornton, I was pleased to be able to write a book about them. I was kind of a something I've been wanting to do for my entire writing career. Tom and I went through training together back uh, in 1969, and Mike Thornton and I were teammates at SEAL Team One. They're both very different guys. Tommy is a guy like me. He's he's a small man. He probably weighs uh, 135, 40 pounds. Mike must weigh close to 220, 230. Tom is very shy and retiring. Mike is very much out there, but they're cut from the same cloth. They're, they were both heroes. They both did incredible things in combat and, and uh, in very difficult circumstances, and they both came through. They're two of our most revered heroes in special operations. Yeah, and Dick, just give everybody a brief insight into the mission that brought these two Navy SEALs, these two Medal of Honor recipients together. Well, very quickly, Tom's mission for which he was recognized was going behind the lines and rescuing two pilots uh, during the North Vietnamese offensive of 1972. Mike received his award for having saved Tom's life. And it's mm -hmm. one of the few times in modern history, matter of fact, the only time in modern history where a recipient was recognized for saving the life of another recipient. But basically Tom and Mike and three Vietnamese uh, SEALs were inserted uh, at, a raw, at, a, at, at the wrong point on the coast behind enemy lines mm. and through no fault of their own, they came up against close to a battalion of North Vietnamese soldiers. And they had to fight their way out of that. Tom was severely wounded. A, a round went through his eye and took out part of the side of his head. Uh, Mike thought he was dead, but went back to recover his remains. And lo and behold, Tom was still alive. So Mike got Tommy, fought his way off the beach. They got in the water, they were in the water for close to six hours before they were picked up by a Navy ship cruising offshore. And, and Dick, you have not only written this incredible story about these two Navy SEALs from the Vietnam era, you were with uh, my SEAL team training class going through SEAL qualification training. You've been through classes with uh, BUDS going through that basic underwater demolition SEAL training. You've also trained side by side with Marine Corps Special Operations Forces, with Rangers, with Green Berets. You've worked with a lot of people in some incredibly difficult circumstances. Give our viewers just a little bit of an insight into what it is that these folks use, where they go when things get really hard, the kind of key aspects of their character, key techniques that you find they draw on and that you want to share with people around the country as they, as they face their own challenges. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. Each of these 
communities, SEALs, Rangers, Green Berets, uh, the Marine Raiders, these are special cultures and they draw the best of their services for people who want to emulate them and be like them. And so it's part of their desire that they bring with them into this training is part of the culture that helps bring out the qualities. I will say that pe that people like Tom Norris and Mike Thornton are rare in that I don't think they have fear genes. Uh, I think bravery is being very afraid and still doing your job. And some people, the fear doesn't enter into the equation. I think they were two of those. Uh, I'm often asked what quality brings forward maybe the best of these men and pretty much a male organization that do these types of things. If I have to point to one thing, it's their parents. Uh, mm. these, they were predisposed, most of these young men were predisposed to succeed and set goals and to excel by their parents. Their parents set their foot on that path and they were able to follow through, come into the service, join these elite organizations and succeed. And Dick, you know, one of the things that you and I have also talked about is, is how important it is in these situations that people keep a sense of humor, um, that people keep a sense of kindness and compassion for their, for their teammates, um, and also that as they're going through, they remember who they're there, who they're fighting for. I mean, oftentimes things are so difficult, they're so painful, you have to remember who you're, who you're fighting for. You have also always stressed how important it is that the warrior remains humble. Talk a little bit about those virtues of humility and compassion as well as courage in the 30 seconds we've got left here. Well, I think that the younger men coming in, they have the right stuff, they have the right backing from home and from their communities. And they look, hopefully in our training pipelines, in all of the services, we bring forward those individuals who exhibit those traits of courage, humility, self-sacrifice, balance, tradition, patriotism, all of those things. So it's the raw material comes in coached by their parents and their coaches in high school and their schooling. And then yes. they meet into a culture that allows them to maybe move forward Please. as they as they see, see other operators and really emulate flourish them. there. Folks, the book is By Honor Bound. Uh, it's a truly incredible story written by an American hero, a great friend in Dick Couch. It's great always to see Dick. Folks, when we come back, we're gonna be right back with our moment in history. We'll see you in just a second. This year, 2020, will be remembered for many things. The coronavirus pandemic, riots and looting. And then of course, there are some of the politicians who, under threat of arrest, took away your freedom. Your freedom to run a business, your freedom to sing in church, your freedom to let your children play on a playground. Those, however, are all things that you see. You see them every day. What is equally important has been what you no longer see, what has been disappearing. 2020 may well be notable as the year of the greatest censorship in the history of the country. Today, videos made by conservatives showing rioting and looting are marked as potentially inappropriate by YouTube. Videos made by liberals showing similar scenes are allowed to run freely. Conservative news sites 
such as Daily Caller and Breitbart, have seen their Google traffic plummet. While liberal news organizations like CNN and The Washington Post are displayed prominently. Wikipedia's co-founder, Larry Sanger, recently wrote an essay titled simply, Wikipedia is badly biased. It is. Wikipedia has admitted, admitted that they do not have a neutral point of view. They aren't even pretending any longer. These collective efforts represent one of the greatest suppressions of articles, viewpoints, essays, and opinions at any time in American history. In America, we used to believe that ideas, even ones that we disagreed with, should see the light of day. But today, your big tech censors just bury stories they don't like. And it's not just that conservative views are suppressed, it's also that conservatives are lied about, accusations are made, the truth is distorted and then promoted. Remember the Russia collusion hoax? Remember Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation? Conservatives were lied about. This kind of censorship and suppression has happened before in American history. Today, Google carries over 90% of the search engine traffic in the country. We think that this is a new phenomenon. But in many ways, it's similar to the time when the United States Postal Service carried almost all of the nation's mail and pamphlets and newspapers. And just like today, there were certain views that were outlawed. There was a time in the 1830s and 1840s when the U.S. Postmaster General refused to allow abolitionist pamphlets to be carried into slave states. There was a time during World War I when Woodrow Wilson's administration pushed the Sedition Act, which made it an offense to speak against the war effort. If you were against slavery, you were censored. Against the war, censored. Today, if you're conservative, censored. The argument for censorship is always the same. The people who push censorship think that they are smarter than you and should do your thinking for you. In the 1890s and early 1900s, the country was dominated by yellow journalism. Sensationalism, fake sources, scare headlines, exaggerations, scandal mongering. Sound familiar? But there were a few a very few courageous and quality journalists. Theodore Roosevelt praised them. They brought attention to the inhuman conditions in coal mines, abusive practices in the meatpacking industry, child labor. Their work was not part of the mainstream yellow horde. Instead, they made the country better. It's worth noting that these men and women are the only journalists that we remember from that time. Yet they were a few a small few. Well, it's the same today. There's a great herd of yellow journalism and a few, a small few, who oppose it and seek the truth. The truth today is not Democrat or Republican. It is rare. You know, it's sometimes hopeful to take a look back. When we do, we see that history's mob of yellow journalists have all faded away, and the censors are rightly reviled. We've made it through periods of great censorship before. We'll make it through again. We did it because there were a few courageous voices willing to stand against the mob. Good for us at this, our moment in history. We have those courageous voices with us today. And now, 
And now it's time to pay tribute. Uh, this is a country built by real American heroes. And here on Actionable Intelligence, we honor the men and women who serve on the front lines. We share stories of courage and sacrifice of sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, friends and neighbors. Our hero tonight is United States Marine Corps First Lieutenant Travis Mannion. Mannion made the ultimate sacrifice 13 years ago while on his second tour of duty while protecting his team in Iraq. I served with Travis, he was a proud Marine, and he remains, because of the work of the Travis Mannion Foundation, a role model for younger generations. Semper Fi, Travis Mannion. And welcome back. We've got a heck of a show for you tomorrow on Actionable Intelligence. We're gonna be joined by Mayor Rudy Giuliani for an interview you're absolutely gonna to wanna to see. And also two-time UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir is joining us. This guy has some incredible insights about fighting the good fight and he's gonna talk about how he's passed those on to his daughter. Now, before we go, let's have a quick look at justthenews.com. Make sure you check it out where you're gonna find declassified FBI spreadsheets. The raw documents are for you to see. Our own John Solomon uncovered these redacted documents and they all but prove that there was no corroboration to anything in the so-called Steele dossier. Yeah, and finally, before we go, we wanted to share something pretty cool with you. Uh, today, NASA made a pretty historic land grab. Uh, the spacecraft OSIRIS-REx touched down a few hours ago on an asteroid named Bennu after orbiting the rock for the past two years. Now, after a successful landing, the spacecraft extended a robotic sampling arm to the astronaut's surface. They're gonna return the sample to Earth in 2023. And look, with news like that, you might feel like your head's up in the clouds while you're up there. Try and catch tonight's meteor shower. The peak of the annual Orionids meteor shower is gonna come early Wednesday morning, and that's when you can expect to see up to 30 shooting stars an hour. It's the biggest show in the fall night sky. It's a beautiful reminder of the gorgeous world that we've all been blessed with. Now we wanna leave you with this, a quote from the 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. He said, most folks are about as happy as they make their minds up to be. Let's keep that wisdom in mind from a man who once carried the country on his shoulders. And folks, that's it from our team tonight. Make sure you stay with us at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central for Blue Courage, how we restore trust in America's law enforcement. Folks, God bless you. God bless America. Have a great night.